And I always took like quite a lot of pride in saying, yes, I'm a tour guide. I'm a full-time tour guide. This is my job. This is my profession. Hello, and welcome to The Low Season, a podcast about tour guides navigating a pandemic. I'm Wouter Bernhardt, a tour guide from Berlin. And like many of my colleagues, I'm currently unemployed. And so is Lucy Gardner from Melbourne, Australia. Lucy has been a full-time tour guide in both Berlin and Melbourne and is currently on a trajectory to leave the guiding world to pursue a career in teaching. A few people commented several times that I was going to burn out. There's of course many similarities between being a teacher and being a tour guide. And we're going to dive straight into that. Lucy is currently still studying to become a teacher, so I asked her, what are the prospects of a post-pandemic teaching position? Here is Lucy Gardner. What a crazy time to start to become a teacher. Oh, yeah. Um, I sort of, I'm thankful that I wasn't teaching in a school this year, in a way, because, you know, they've had to go online in the space of a couple of weeks. And, you know, quite a few people in my family are teachers. So I've been speaking to them quite a bit about their experiences and it's tough. Um, it's a lot more work. There's a lot more checking that the students are doing work. So it is a bit more time consuming. So I'm happy that I'm not teaching now, uh, but it will be interesting to, to teach even just in the next couple of years when you think about it, because for the next few years, we're going to have students coming through all of whom have been impacted in some way. Because I'm mainly science, biology is, will be my main subject. So it'll be very interesting to teach immunisation and vaccination and the spread of disease to students in, you know, I can just imagine in a year, two years' time, teaching immunity for the first time to a group of students and them all sort of going, oh, this is... This is what we lived through a few years ago. Like, yes, exactly. Oh, that's so that's so that's so cool that you're going to be able to do that. I mean, it's so um, how do you say that? Uh, so real, so important. Yeah, and when you sort of talk about um, authentic assessments for students, we, we we talk about that all the time, and just sort of imagining how this situation is going to drive a lot of those over the next couple of years, I'm sure. And even some of the stuff that I've been talking to teachers about that they're getting their students to do, you know, they're, they're asking them to write journal entries each day or each week. Just write down how you're feeling, what you're experiencing and, you know, just write down your feedback of the day or you know, how you are in this situation. And for some students, that's that's really good for their well-being. Uh, for other students, it's really good for their building up of those skills, of their writing skills. And so different ways in which teachers are looking to to keep the students connected in a way. Let's talk a little bit about uh, tour guiding, uh, Lucy, because uh, you've been a, a long-time yeah. tour guide in Berlin. You've been doing guided mm -hmm. tours in Melbourne. Could you talk a little bit about what the situation in Melbourne is like at the moment? It, it, it shut down pretty quickly here, just as it has all over the world, really, um, that people have gone from thinking that they'll have work to no work. I guess what's interesting for us here is that it's reversed. Um, we've come out of our summer going into our winter, whereas in the Northern Hemisphere, 
everyone's coming out of what they would consider their low season. I mean, the high season here wasn't all that high um, because of the bushfires. At the end of last year and the beginning of this year, I was, I mean, the tourism in Berlin is very different to tourism in Melbourne. I think a lot of people, when they think about coming to Australia, they think of the great outdoors, they think of going down to the beaches, they think to do a lot of things outdoorsy. Um, Perhaps going on a city tour isn't exactly what they had in mind. Um, So, you know, our high season is nothing like Berlin high season. But even so, there was quite an impact of the bushfires. You know, we had we had to cancel tours because there was too much smoke in the city of Melbourne and it was just too dangerous to be outside. Um, we had people, yeah, cancelling last minute because they didn't want to leave their accommodation. I know that friends... So, Amy and Fran, who was supposed, who did come over to Australia to visit, they considered not coming because of the bushfires. So it had a huge impact. And then, you know, we have COVID-19, which is obviously the, the thing that everyone will remember in 2020, but we sort of already got hit uh, because of the bushfires in tourism. So we went from low season to mid-season to nothing. Uh, I make a mention of this little comedy sketch that you've probably seen of this girl who who went to see her former self. Yes. And she's like... What do you know about the world of big cats? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but it's also, she made such a good point. And then her former self or past selves are like, yeah, these bushfires, I definitely think they're going to be the defining moment of 2020, you know? And, And it's so crazy. It's so crazy. Well, we all did. We, we all did. and and we especially. Uh, I remember having a chat with with one of my colleagues about this, in sort of saying that, and again, it reminds me of previous conversations that I've heard on on your podcast, which is we sort of felt like the you know the Australian tourism was copping a big punch um, with with the bushfires, and what's interesting to think about now is the Australian tourism market is huge in China, especially around Chinese New Year. Because of the bushfires, we saw more than half of the people who would usually come to Australia for Chinese New Year stayed home. They didn't travel because they had seen the images, they had heard, you know, the bushfires are the size of Belgium, that sort of thing. And so they didn't travel. And I think now, looking back on it, what impact did that have on the spread of COVID-19 in Australia? If so many people had travelled during that time, would we have seen a spike here sooner? Would there have been more infections? So especially when we think about the fact that people travelling is what caused the virus to be able to spread all across the world, maybe the the fact that people didn't travel to Australia during our summer almost uh, stopped the virus from spreading sooner or, or spreading further. Yeah. 
what 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 about what about you um you like obviously have your 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 student life your university work but um yeah you you also can't guide anymore do, do you think you are still going to guide in the future or do you think you already might have had your last tour i think i might have had my last tour to be honest um and this was something that i was expecting to happen this year anyway um i because i was you know moving into becoming a teacher uh, i always sort of say especially when i'm talking to some of my friends back in berlin that you know i'll i'll, I'll come back on a holiday and i'll just stand at the brandenburg gate and wait for a few people to to join me and then just go for a walk around the city but in terms of whether or not the tourism industry in Melbourne will pick itself up before I go to look for teaching jobs, I don't really think that's going to happen. Um, and I also feel a sense of, well, if I am looking at another career, maybe I should leave the tourism to those who are going to make it their full career. Um, when you sort of talk about the full-time tour guides, when I think about the director of the company that I worked for and some of the other people who had been working there for a long time, you know, if there are going to be a handful of tours in, you know, maybe the next few months, they're the ones who should be doing it because they're the ones who want the want the career whereas I've sort of already made that decision was there was there a moment in your tour guiding career that you thought this is what I want to do this is actually what I'm cut out and yeah sort of this is what I want from life no I, I never really saw it as a as a more than a couple of years job um and Again, it's, you know, it's been really interesting listening to your other podcast episodes and listening to the thoughts and the conversations that other people have been having because that's where I was two, three years ago now um, in my thought, which was I'd been living in Berlin for a few years. I'd been working as a tour guide. I loved being a tour guide, um, uh, especially in Berlin. And I loved the job. I loved everything about um, how we worked and, you know, the people that you got to meet. But I never saw it as something that I would still be doing in 10, 20 years' time. Um, I always sort of had in the back of my mind that I would eventually – maybe not come back home to Australia, but I would eventually work to becoming a teacher and that that was sort of the end job for me. So I kind of think, yeah, I've probably done my last tour. Might have happened a bit earlier than I would have expected, but I never really saw myself as being a tour guide uh, for too long. Is there is there anything that sort of could have maybe persuaded you to be a tour guide a bit like is there anything in particular that you thought like oh I this is what I didn't like about it or this is what I missed from my job 
um, because it, it is kind of teaching. Um, specifically, if you do a certain kind of tour, it can be more with kids, it can be more with, with students. Is there anything in particular that you thought like, oh, no, this is something I cannot be doing for my entire life? I think the the, the reality was I, I didn't see myself as being a tour guide in, you know, my 50s and 60s. I, I didn't see it as a job that you could do in your twilight years, so to speak. I didn't see it as something you could do for 20, 30 years. I'd just be too tired. Um, I always tried to give a lot of energy in my tours. Um, I think a few people commented several times that I was going to burn out, um, that I was very energetic and that could be very tiring. And it was, but I still loved it. I don't think that I could be doing that in a couple of years' time with the amount of energy that I love to give to people on the tours. But I, I find it very difficult to believe that the Lucy Gardner that I know will not give that same <laughs> amount of energy to the kids that she's going to be teaching. <laughs> yes, but um, I don't know. There's, it's You make a very good point. Uh, I, I hope to be able to bring that much energy to, to the students and to the classroom I don't know. Like, I'm trying to also figure out why people would mm. sort of, um, how do you say that, like, venture away from tour, tour guiding or see it as a job that they do for maybe five or mm. ten years. Or um, is it because it doesn't have the sort of status as a job that is valuable to society? Or is it just something you do when you just want to chill, where it's not a really chill job in many ways. No, no, it's um, not a chill job at all. And I always took like quite a lot of pride in saying, yes, I'm a tour guide. I'm a full-time tour guide. This is my job. This is my profession. But I think that I'll say this, being in Berlin as an Australian who didn't have a European passport, who was on visas also impacted my decision a lot. Um, I was at a stage where I was thinking to myself, if I was going to make living in Berlin, working as a tour guide into my life, there were several decisions that I had to make. I had student loans to pay off in Melbourne, in Australia. I would have to start paying into some kind of uh, pension fund. Um, what do I do about the money that's already in my superannuation fund back home? There were a lot of responsibilities that I knew I had and decisions that I had to make if I was going to live in Berlin and work as a tour guide. Coming back home to Melbourne, doing my master's, thinking about what I want to do and where I want to be, I also thought to myself, you know, two years ago when I made the decision to move home, that teaching is another thing that you can do and travel at the same time. Maybe I could be a travelling, teaching tour guide. Um, and so coming back home to Melbourne was also for me, it was going to either make that decision for me or it was going to give me a reason to leave again. So 
do I belong in Melbourne or do I belong in Berlin? Do I belong elsewhere? And well, now COVID-19 has made that decision for me. <laughs> well, um, Lucy, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to chatting to me. Um, no, of course. Thank you for, for making this. I've, I've loved it. It's, it's a part of my nightly routine. Uh, after I've you know, had my shower and, and gotten ready for bed, I'll, I'll listen to the podcasts. Well, Lucy, um, thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your day and um, I'll, I hope to speak to you soon. Thank you, Vata. You have a wonderful day. That was Lucy Gardner from Melbourne. As we're slowly getting used to the virus and starting to pick up our old lives again, we look around and try to see who's left. Lucy Gardner will not be among those that we'll encounter on the streets again. Which is, of course, a damn shame. But unlike many of her colleagues, Lucy already made the decision way before the pandemic, citing that it was too demanding and she couldn't see it as something she'd be doing in her 50s and 60s. Now, Lucy is off to an amazing career in teaching. I genuinely wish her all the best, but I do wonder if she would have changed her mind if the tour guiding profession was seen with a bit more esteem or prestige than it is at the moment if the idea of more financial security or a more proper career path would have tied her over. Now, if you enjoyed this episode and want to share your thoughts on the matter, feel free to drop by in our discussion group on Facebook. We talk about tour guiding, tourism, travel, and everything in between. So come find us at The Low Season Real Talk. We're going to be back on Monday with Amir Karim from Vienna. And I paid a lot of attention to what it does to your mind and, and to your whole mental state when you don't have work, when you don't have any chance to prove your skills. The Low Season is produced by me, Wouter Bernhardt. Music is by Mark Schilders. Artwork by Christopher White. Georgia Riungu is the blurb queen. Speak soon, my friends. I can just imagine in a year, two years' time, teaching immunity for the first time to a group of students and them all sort of going, oh, this is, this is what we lived through a few years ago. Like, yes, exactly.